who's caused us more of a headache than Jonathan Taylor? You know, we can't get this guy right. We call him the best running back. You know, they kill us. We call him the worst running back. They kill us. I, I don't think there's any way to win with this guy. <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> there's definitely no way to win. The people in the YouTube comments, man, they they just are on another one. They're always heated for no reason. They they just love to spread hate. Yeah. And I find it funny. Like, it doesn't affect me personally because it's just funny, like, seeing how miserable these people are getting getting mad at, you know, some takes that we kind of do exaggerate a little bit. Like, some of them are serious. Some of them we exaggerate. But they just they just go hard at us. Yeah, calling you salty, telling you to change your occupation. <laughs> yeah. Fantasy is not for you. <laughs> and then I have to go hard back because I'm not letting anybody disrespect yeah. me. Yeah, because that like that's just being a man. You don't let anybody <laughs> disrespect you. Then it just creates this weird tension where I kind of have to explain to them, you know, what a process is and and the reasoning behind it and uh, just just makes for for some funny interactions on the youtube comments uh and make sure you subscribe to our youtube channel at the dfs look at that seasoned pro right there getting the plug in yeah i mean i look at the jonathan taylor video i'm like oh there's 12 comments that's lit and it's just you and one guy arguing back and forth i'm like oh damn (laughs) yeah pretty standard on on the youtube videos um I mean, we get decent comments, but a lot of it is me replying to people hating on us for, you know, saying our takes or and saying our reasonings for the takes, which I find pretty funny, to be honest. I, I do as well. Keep it coming, guys. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 117 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we are going to preview week 15 on DraftKings. We're going to go through some of the slate-specific notes from Vegas. We'll talk about the players that we're expecting to be chalk optimal cash game lineup construction, and of course, our preferred tournament strategies for the week, leverage, long shots, stacks, etc. But before we get into any of that, Joey, can you tell the people how they can support the podcast? You can help support the DFS Dose by following us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. That's where we tweet out clips, links to articles, videos, uh, anything that we put out, you will find it on our Twitter. So make sure you are following us over there. And then you can also help support us by making sure you are subscribed to the podcast or follow depending on what platform you use to listen to podcasts. Just make sure you are subscribed. Uh, helps us out a lot, helps us reach new listeners, and we greatly appreciate it if you do so. Just go ahead and do that. And then you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel at the DFS Dose. We are currently at 145 subscribers. So if you could get us to that 150 subscriber mark, that would be lit. And Ben and I both post videos every single week. And we also post clips from this podcast. So make sure you are subscribed over there. And then lastly, you could join our free Discord chat, which is linked down below in the description where we talk about DFS literally all day, every day. And like I said, it's free. So you don't have to pay, which a lot of uh, other sites you have to pay to get into those chats. So make sure you join that. 
link in the description down below. Yes, and also we are going to have an extra episode this week covering the two-game slate on Saturday. Check that out. It is going to come out on Friday morning. So yeah, just be on the lookout for that. We'll go in-depth, break those two games down, give some tournament takes, and that should be a good time. Love having football on Saturdays. What a great day. Mm-hmm. Let's get into the week 15 slate, starting off with some Vegas notes. This is an 11-game main slate with eight games early and three games in the afternoon. We have four games with totals above 50, and the top five implied team totals in order starts off with Tennessee currently at 31.5. We have Baltimore at 30.5, the Rams 30.5 as well. The Colts at 29.25 and Tampa Bay 28.25. Joey, what stands out to you on this slate from a Vegas perspective? Yeah, so obviously we have teams with high implied team totals on this slate, but just from a general overview, I personally don't like many of these games um a lot of these games have totals with 45 or under there's only what three games with a total above 50 as it stands right now there's just not much that i'm interested in playing i think there's one game which we will talk about that is uh the most interesting on this slate in the afternoon window but other than that it's looking like a a bad week for the uh, game stackers out there yeah and i mean it's just not clear it's not a lot of competitive games like if you look at the three Mm -hmm. teams with the highest implied team totals they're all in games that they're favored by more than 10 you know tennessee's favored by 11 the ravens are favored by 13 and the rams are favored by 17 so these are going to be lopsided games that aren't really going to be producing back and forth you know scoring outputs like we like to see and the other thing that stands out to me on this slate like i talked about it last week it's interesting to have kansas city on and not be even in the top five in terms of implied team total i mean i don't know really what's up with that i know the saints have a good defense and all but I mean, really, like Mahomes is just in full God mode right now. Like, I don't care what defense he's playing. I think that it's just a little bit underrating the Chiefs right now, having them have a 27.25 implied team total with the seventh highest on the slate. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. But some of the teams above the Chiefs are in great spots as well. So I, I can see why they're they only have a 27 point team total right now yeah um all right well why don't we just dive in to the chalk uh talk some chalk here we have to start with the man who won two battles on monday night one against the browns and one against his bowels we got poop and lamar at 7500 and he is (laughs) 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 and if he if he's not the number one fantasy qb playing in week 15 He's definitely number two. He went for over 100 yards for only the second uh, time this season rushing. And I mean, it's incredible to say that, you know, only over 100 yards for the second time rushing as a quarterback. But even with that raw production sort of being held in check compared to what we saw last year, he's still been getting a good amount of attempts, nine or more rushing attempts and 50 plus yards in seven straight games. How are you feeling about Lamar Jackson following the Monday Night Heroics? <laughs> yeah, I think Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback play on the slate. He's projecting uh, to score the most points out of any quarterback as it stands right now. And at 7,500, I think it's a great price for him. And I think he is going to be one of the highest owned quarterbacks this week uh, on DraftKings. And I think he's a great play. And You know, if you want to go there, I don't blame anybody, but we do have a cheap guy 
uh, that we'll talk about in a couple seconds here that is projecting uh, very well and you get a $1,600 discount off of Lamar Jackson. So I think that is going to be the main decision point at quarterback is do you play Lamar Jackson or do you play your boy, Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I mean, Lamar Jackson or Lamar Jackson Jr. That's kind of like what we're, <laughs> what we're looking at here. And I mean, to me, I think Jalen Hurts stands out. So Jalen Hurts last week in his first start had more rush attempts than completions. And at 5900 it's just an incredible price tag for a quarterback with as much rushing upside as anybody on the slate. So my question to you regarding Hurts, like, what do you think his floor is in terms of rush attempts? Because like, I honestly can't see him getting less than 10. And I think he has upside for quite a few more. I mean, we saw him get 18 in game one. I just want to say that we we talked about it on the preview podcast where we're like, we don't know how he's going to be used because um, Doug Peterson is a donkey. And we saw how he was used against the Saints. They are designing quarterback attempts for him, plus his escape ability uh, when the pocket is breaking down gives him some more rushing attempts upside. So I do think his floor in terms of rushing attempts is around 10. And that's a pretty high floor for a guy that is priced under 6K going into Arizona, going into a dome on an Eagles team that is rejuvenated with Jalen Hurts under center. They played really well against the Saints last week. And maybe he can go into Arizona and light up a Cardinals defense that is nothing to be scared of. I think the only thing that worries me is the Eagles have a 21 and a half team total right now, which is one of the lowest on the slate. Uh, So Vegas isn't too high on the Eagles, but I think Jalen Hurts by himself is a very good quarterback play this week. I think it's a tough decision between Lamar and Jalen Hurts this week for cash games. You know, with Hurts, I I don't think that the total is a huge concern if he's going to be doing what he did on the ground or even anything that's remotely close because he only had one passing touchdown, didn't have a rushing touchdown. So even without the actual scoring equity, he still put up 23.28 points in his first start. And I mean, I think you could argue that he has the highest rushing ceiling of any quarterback on the slate. I don't think Lamar Jackson is rushing 18 times in a game in in 2020. I don't think Kyler Murray is doing that. I don't think Taysom Hill is doing that. I think that, you know, realistically, you project these guys all pretty similarly, you know, maybe between like nine and 12 attempts. Um, But I think that Jalen Hurts is the only one who can be just truly utilized and, and he's seeing 18 plus um, so, so to me, I think Jalen Hurts is the standout. They priced them up to 5,900 from 5,100, but that's just not enough in my opinion. I think DraftKings was kind of slacking with that. He should be a little bit more expensive. Yeah, I agree that he should be more expensive, but I also disagree that uh, Lamar and Taysom Hill don't have, you know, 18 plus rushing attempt upside. Specifically, Lamar uh, in this spot against Jacksonville, just a team that really isn't trying right now. They they want to secure that number two overall pick to get their franchise quarterback. And at home, the Ravens are missing, what, two or three wide receivers due to COVID right now. Hollywood Brown just got placed on the COVID list. So this could be a game where the Ravens just go out and run Lamar like they did last season. And I think he has 20 plus rush attempt upside. Maybe he doesn't get there due to the running backs, uh, Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, getting a good amount of touches uh, projection wise in this game. But yeah, I, I disagree that those quarterbacks don't have the ceiling that Hurts does. Um, I, I think 18 is the ceiling for Hurts, to be honest. Yeah, which is, I mean, that's phenomenal for a 5,900 dollar quarterback um in terms of running back chalk i mean look derrick henry 
on our last mm-hmm. podcast, I was a little uh, tough on forgiving on the people whose processes uh, forbade them from playing Derrick Henry in cash. Basically called them stone donks. You also questioned their ability to think for themselves outside of projections. And I guess we're going to find out this week if people learned their lesson. Henry has reached a season-high $9,500 price tag on DraftKings coming off of a monster performance predictably and you know, I think you could even make the argument he's in an even better spot this week as a home favorite on a team with the highest implied team total on the slate against the actual worst run defense in the NFL. He needs to average 156 yards per game over the next three games to hit the 2000 yard mark, becoming the second Titan never to do so in the eighth player in NFL history. Joey, do you think he gets there? I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think he gets there. He also needs six touchdowns to get 20 touchdowns. I think they want to get him that 2000 yard, 20 touchdown season. Mm-hmm. And this is the prime spot to do it against the Lions defense. Like you said, they have literally the worst run defense in the NFL besides Houston. Matt Stafford will also most likely miss this game. So this should just be a cupcake win for the Titans at home. And Derrick Henry should see, what, 25, 30 touches in this game. Um, Immense touchdown upside as he is utilized in the red zone. Heavy. So Derrick Henry at 9,500. The Sharps and the people who run projection models, you know, may not like him on a weekly basis due to his lack of reception upside. I think it's a tough fade this week, even at 9,500. I, I truly do. And some of the known Derrick Henry haters are coming out saying yeah. that he is projecting as literally the best play on the board this week. Yeah. Uh multiple so, haters. All yeah. all the haters it, it, in the business, even they even they can't stomach to fade Derrick Henry in this spot. It's crazy because it, it's a it's a fantastic spot, but he could realistically score eight points, nine points if he gets you know, 20 rushing attempts, 90 yards, and doesn't score a touchdown. Do I think that happens? No. Personally, I don't think that happens. I think I think he scores two touchdowns in this game. But it could happen, and it could warrant a fade, because his floor is lower than some of the running backs below him that catch passes. I mean, I think it would take an injury for Derrick Henry to not rush for 200 yards in this spot. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Lest that man tears his ACL in the first quarter, he is going for 200 right down the throat of the Detroit Lions, and there's just literally nothing they can do about it. <laughs> all right. All right. Heard it here first from a Lions fan. Yeah. Um, they are going to get absolutely mollywopped by Derrick Henry this week. So Stonelock on DraftKings. In terms of the chalk with the rest of the running back field, this kind of feels like the week of the rookie running back. I mean, Jonathan Taylor... Finally broke out last week, had his first 30-point DK game of his career, finds himself as a home favorite with a big total against a terrible Houston run defense. We've also got Cam Akers, 6,600, who has completely overtaken the Rams' backfield over the past two weeks. He's out-touched Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown, 53-12 to over those last two weeks. Rams have a 30.5 implied team total, and they're 17-point home favorites against the Jets, so you could just see a ton of rush attempts for a team that wants to run the ball more than anybody 
everybody else in the league is home favorites. Massive team total. Cam Akers makes a lot of sense coming off of 10 days rest. And then finally, J.K. Dobbins as well. He's the cheapest option of the group at 5,900. Again, the Ravens have a huge total, 30.5, 13-point home favorites against Jacksonville. You know, a defense that just graciously allowed Derrick Henry to rush for over 200 yards on them. So, you know, which of these rookies are you most interested in, least interested in, you know, kind of interested in? What do you think about these rookies? They're all in phenomenal spots and it's kind of tough to pick one to be honest they're all at home too so it's not like one of them's on the road and uh they all have really high totals they're all in the top (laughs) five yeah i mean damn and i and i think i i think they're all great plays and it's gonna be hard to to choose which one or two of them to play in cash games this week and i just want to go over it one by one i think jonathan taylor has the most upside out of the three at home against a Houston defense that rivals Detroit for being the worst in the NFL. Uh, It's just a phenomenal spot for him on a team with a 29 total and he is the most expensive. So I could see him being less owned than Cam Akers and JK Dobbins. I think Cam Akers is a fine play at 6,600, obviously against the Jets. I think the matchup is a little bit worse uh, in terms of Cam Akers versus Taylor and Dobbins. And I also think there is a chance that he could get pulled from this game because the Rams are going to blow out the Jets. They're literally not even trying at this point in the season. And they could run Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong on that, but Cam Akers can definitely get 20 25 touches before that happens and then jk dobbins uh he's in a great spot and like i mentioned with lamar they have no wide receivers they're gonna trot out willie sneed and devin duvernay as their top two and they obviously have mark andrews so maybe we see jk dobbins have an expanded role in the passing game and he's had you know catches and multiple catches in a lot of the games that he has played in this season so I think at 5900 he is a fine play as well it's just kind of hard because they're all like the price gaps between all of them they're not large but it's a good uh price gap between each of them and I'm, I'm interested to see who the field gravitates towards this week because I, I don't know who's going to be the most owned out of these three, to be honest. Personally, I would guess that it's Cam Akers, but it could be Jonathan Taylor. I mean, God, like we talked about it in the open, and it, this guy is just beloved by people, Jonathan Taylor. So I don't know. I mean, they all also are in split backfields. I mean, Cam Akers, yeah. I guess you could make the argument, has sort of taken that backfield, but is it out of the range of possibilities that Sean McVay wakes up and wants to give Daryl <laughs> Henderson 15 touches this game? Definitely no. not. I mean, Jonathan Taylor to me, though, is guaranteed to split work with Naheem Hines and potentially get vultured by Jacoby Brissett at the two yard line, whereas, you know, Cam Akers, I think his role is a little safer to me. I do believe that he's overtaken it. I I have very little concern about Henderson and Malcolm Brown personally. J.K. Dobbins, um, you know, Mark Ingram played one snap last week, so it is at least down to a two man backfield between him and Gus Edwards. But then again, you've got Lamar Jackson siphoning off 10 to 15 carries a game as well. So I don't know. I mean, I'll just say that right now, my my personal favorite is Cam Akers. And then I would rank it Jonathan Taylor second, J.K. Dobbins third. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that Akers is the standout in my opinion. Yeah, I think Akers is a good play. I don't think he is a standout play just because he probably won't catch any passes in this game. He has five total receptions on the season, so he's non-existent in the passing game. And obviously the Rams should dominate the Jets this week. I I could see the Jets putting up 
a zero spot here just getting shut out and Cam Akers won't be needed in the passing game whatsoever so I think that hurts his upside a little bit three targets last week not 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 a non-factor he had three targets but it also was you know a relatively closer game than this projected blowout what are was they- that a close game I mean, I mean they beat it was the Patriots by 21 points but <laughs> the game will be closer oh. Because they're 17-point favorites, right, against the Jets. I don't know. Who, Patriots are kind of Jets level right now. No cap. No, no shot. <laughs> You're just, he, I would bet that he gets one catcher less this week. I mean, that seems um, fair. I think he's done that in all games but one, right? Yeah. So. so that's why I'm I'm kind of skeptical on Cam Akers because then you're solely relying on him to get there based on his rushing volume, which he could because it, it's a good spot for him. And he could see 20, 25, even 30 attempts in the ground game. But you kind of need him to get the 100-yard bonus and maybe a touchdown for him to be a great play. And it's kind of hard to rely on that in this day and age on DraftKings in 2020. You need reception upside out of your running backs. And unless your name is Derrick Henry, of course. But Yeah, the exception, not the rule. Yeah, you need, you need reception upside from your running backs and i don't think he provides you that this week all right the final piece of running back quote-unquote chalk or or somebody i think will develop into chalk as the week progresses is you know one of your all-time favorite players your boy lenny f (laughs) uncle len leonard fournette at 4500 ronald jones was placed on the covid list he had gotten some surgery i think put you know some pins in his hand or something like that so he was gonna miss regardless but you know bruce arians on wednesday morning was quoted saying that fournette would be the lead back if rojo wasn't able to play rojo will not be able to play so it is leonard fournette week i know you're excited (laughs) oh my son <laughs> 4500 this week god he could be a smash now i will say we can't trust anything bruce arian says literally cannot trust Not anything that he says and that's where the skepticism comes in uh with leonard fournette is he could be active he probably will be active if rojo is out which it's looking like he's going to be out in this game and bruce arians could play LaShawn McCoy 80% of snaps. He could play Keyshawn Vaughn 10% and give Leonard Fournette 10%. But he also could play Leonard Fournette 90% and give the uh, the other two Bucks running backs uh, 5% each. You just never know. There's a lot of uncertain uncertainty. Let's just say if he gets 12 attempts and four targets, five targets, maybe because he has been utilized in that pass game role earlier in the season. I think he is a solid play at 4,500 and I would probably play him, but it's just hard to project that for him right now at this point. So I really don't know if I'm going to play him this week. We we got to see how the week progresses and that's a reason to join the discord. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll definitely be updating our thoughts on this. I mean, it's just, it's weird because he was a healthy scratch last week, right? And they played Vaughn who, I mean, he had one attempt and zero targets and then McCoy had five touches. So it's like, yeah, Rojo was the clear cut guy. So if you're one for one subbing Fournette into that Rojo role, then I mean, he's an absolute smash at 4,500 with a, a team that has a 28.25 implied team total as a favorite so like if you believe that then you should definitely be playing him in cash games but i mean like you said i, I don't trust a, a word out of bruce arians's mouth so we'll we'll keep uh keep our ears glued you know see, see what we can learn throughout the week and figure out how to proceed with leonard fournette 
at wide receiver, you know, I, I'm not seeing too many plays that stand out that I think are garner like an absolute ton of ownership. But one that I that I do think is going to be extremely popular is Brandon Ayuk uh, for the 49ers with Debo Samuel slated to miss this game, slated to miss the rest of the season. Ayuk is 6,300 in a favorable matchup against Dallas. And I mean, if you look at his targets over the last four games he's played, he's averaging 12.5 targets per game. Yeah, Brandon Ayuk is a stone lock this week. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Yeah. Um, he's seeing what, like a 35, 40, 45% target share in the Niners offense right now. Debo's out in this game. George Kittle, who just got activated from IR, probably won't play in this game. That's a situation to monitor as the week progresses. But if George Kittle ends up sitting this game out, Ayuk is just a smash this week. 6,300. Um, should be one of the higher own wide receivers in cash games and in tournaments, I think. Great spot for him in a dome going up against, you know, the the second or third worst pass defense in the NFL. So yeah, I don't I'm not really gonna overthink it. Ayuk is coming preloaded into my lineups this week. Yeah, I think he's a borderline free square. The only thing that would change that for me, I think, is if Kittle were to be activated. Like I, I personally think that's kind of a long shot, but that could definitely throw a wrench in terms of, you know, projected target share for Ayuk. Like Kittle mm-hmm. hasn't been there you know, for damn near the whole year. So it's like that hasn't really been taken into account in the way that Ayuk and, and Debo and these other guys have been utilized. But I, I, I'm i pretty skeptical that uh, Kittle will be able to make it back that, that quickly. Yeah, that's that's definitely key is the Kittle news and if he plays or not. Because if he doesn't play, Ayuk is a stone lock this week at 6,300. I agree with that. Um, Who else do you think is going to be highly owned? Um, Anybody that'll be borderline chalk status at wide receiver? It looks to me like there's just a lot of like average plays. Yeah, definitely a lot of average guys this week. I think Terry McLaurin at 6,600 is interesting at home against Seattle. Everybody knows that Seattle is the worst pass defense in you know the NFL and they they're just so bad so that's always a spot that the field likes to target and a guy that I could see having some ownership maybe T.Y. Hilton 5500 he maybe he might not be chalked but he he's put up three straight games of uh of relatively good games and then you throw in the narrative against Houston and how he always snaps against them I don't know. I think I think he could see some uh, some ownership this week in in cash games. Am I bugging or or what? I hope he does. <laughs> Won't be in my lineup. I, you don't no. want to play T. Y. Hillen, bro. No shot. I play that dusty old dude. But um, I mean, I I do like I, I like the call. I think that he will be owned. I heard him mentioned on another podcast. I think that people are going to be touting T. Y. Hilton. I mean, people just love to tout you know player versus team narratives. And I mean, we're guilty of that too, but I, I mean, that only applies to grown ass men like Derrick Henry. Like, I don't think that T.Y. Hilton age 32 or whatever is, is really a threat. I mean, let's keep it a beat. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely agree. But I, I think the chalk situation or situations is going to be these cheap wide receivers, uh, maybe the Baltimore wide receivers. Yeah. One of them could could be chalk. I could definitely see like Willie Sneed having ownership or even Devin Duvernay, who is thirty two hundred this week, having ownership, but eh, I don't I don't think they'll be stone chalk, but that's that that's a situation where I could where I could see ownership going to is the cheap 
Baltimore wide receivers and the cheap Niners wide receivers as well. Yeah. Just want to throw them in there too. I, I, I definitely agree. I think that you can make a, a strong case for Kendrick Bourne as a pivot off of Ayuk, especially in tournaments when you consider like the ownership discount. And uh, there's another situation like that as well that we have to monitor, and that's the Miami situation. And I think depending oh, yeah, on how yeah. that shakes out, we could see Lynn Bowden become massive chalk as well. He is 3, priced at 3600 And yeah, um, so as that situation currently sits, as we record this on Wednesday evening, uh, Devontae Parker is legit questionable, although he did practice on a limited basis on Wednesday. Mike Gesicki is unlikely to play. Jakeem Grant is described as week to week, which to me says that he's more doubtful than questionable. So from my perspective, this is kind of like setting up perfectly for Bowden, right? We want Parker to be back, absorb shadow coverage from Gilmore, and then, you know, be the, the main focus of the defense and then just let Bowden rack up all of the slot snaps and receptions with no Gesicki or Grant in the middle of the field. I mean, to me, I think he would be a phenomenal play at 3600 yeah and i i think he would be chalk if the if that were to happen uh let's say gasicki and grant are out and then lynn bowden steps into a starting role i think he would be chalk at 3600 um not that great of a matchup going up against new england but miami is at home and if they get down in this game they are fighting for a playoff spot so they will sling the rock and lynn bowden should see targets with nobody else there i mean God, he had nine targets last week, seven catches, and and there are a lot of uh, easy completions too, which help him on DraftKings, a full PPR site. So 3,600, I could see him definitely becoming chalk as the week progresses for sure. Yeah, tied the team for nine targets as a as a team high. And also just a quick note, if you're still alive in your season-long leagues and you're able to scoop up Lynn Bowden, he does have running back eligibility, which is a little bit interesting depending on what your team is looking at on Yahoo, at least. I'm not sure about uh, the other season-long. Oh, so you scooped sites. him. Oh, yeah, 100% I scooped him. You already know I scooped him. I mean, you ain't playing him, so I ain't worried about it. I might him, play him instead of Wayne Gallman. Shit, I don't know, but <laughs> we'll figure it out. Um, and in terms of tight end uh, for Chalk, I mean, I think that if George Kittle were activated, he would kind of instantly become Chalk because he's just so, so underpriced at 5300 right? So, I mean, if mm-hmm. he were to be activated, but let's proceed as if he's not, I think that Mark Andrews could be really highly owned, especially, you know, with uh, B-Movie Brown out, with Boykin out, potentially due to COVID. Both of those guys who got placed on the COVID list on Wednesday, I think Andrews would be extremely highly owned at 5,500 because, you know, Travis Kelsey, who is currently leading the NFL in receiving yards, which is crazy. If he finishes that off, he'd be the first tight end to ever do that. But I mean, he's 8k so even the donkeys who want to pay up every week are are gonna not be able to get up there to 8k in cash anyways for travis kelsey yeah travis kelsey is not in play for cash games at 8,000. i mean that is just too much salary to play at one of the worst positions in the nfl now i know he's great they want kelsey to have the reception yards title this year 100 they do like i i think they are going to force him the ball just so he can get that this year to be the first ever tight end to do it but even then like you need 25 points out of your tight end to hit value quote unquote right with travis kelsey so no shot on playing him um in cash games this week at 8k like you said if george kittle were to be activated i'd just lock him in at 5300 um it is paying up even in cash even in you cash, we we pay over five k clown- for a tight end. No shot. We've clowned right? it. We've clowned it. But the thing with Kittle is, is 
that there would be no competition for targets besides Ayuk, and he's just an animal. Yeah, that it's that simple. This this is a guy that's priced at seven k every single week on DraftKings uh, when he's healthy. So if you're getting him at fifty three hundred, I'd lock him in no cap. But other than that, we're we're looking down at the three k guys every single week. Okay. Yeah. Three k guys. Um, I think Cole Komet. You could go back to him. I think he's fine. Yeah, not too much that I'm seeing. Uh, with the uh, low guys in in terms of ownership, I think I think the ownership will condense around Mark Andrews, and I, I think he's a great play. So fifty five hundred, maybe 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 uh maybe we break the rule this week. You know, some sometimes rules are are meant to be broken, and I I think week fifteen could be one of those weeks. Could be, could be. I mean, I could be talked into either of Kittle or Andrews this week. I mean, especially if Brown and Boykin both miss. I mean, man, Mark Andrews could be in line for a monster uh, target share there. Mark Andrews would be a smash. And this is also the point of the season where we have to be considering, you know, what teams are playing for. What what teams have a shot at the playoffs. So that's why we kind of want to stay away from, you know, Jets players and some of and some of the players that are on other bad teams. And we want to be targeting these teams that need to win games and they're going to be trying their hardest. I think that is a big factor in this time of the year. And Ravens, Ravens are one are, of those teams. They're either in one of the last wildcard spots or they're right on the cusp and they they want to get in the playoffs. They they need to get into the playoffs. So they're going to be trying their absolute hardest in all of these games and with no other competition for targets. Mark Andrews stands out this week to me. And I, I think he's the best tight end play on the board unless Kittle comes back. And it's kind of hard not to play him just because we're so used to paying down. But Jesus, Mark Andrews is, is a phenomenal play this week. Completely agree with that. Let's move on to cash game lineup construction. You know, my first initial thoughts when I've been looking over the slate for the past couple of days is that I think it's extremely different than last week, right? Like we talked about it on the week 14 recap podcast where it was like, you know, last week there were a lot of guys that it just, it's like, all right, fine, I'll play them. But, you know, really all that matters is can I jam Derrick Henry and Devontae Adams this week? I feel similarly about jamming Derrick Henry, but there isn't a primary wide receiver that I feel the absolute need to jam in. Like Tyreek Hill is a great play. I think DeAndre Hopkins is a phenomenal play this week, but I'm not going to be like priority jamming them into my cash lineup. I think the balanced build is looking really strong in cash games this week. Yeah, I definitely agree with the balanced build take. Um, I don't think you have to pay above 7K for a wide receiver this week in cash. Now that's not, you know, that's, not to say that these guys that are priced higher aren't great plays. Like you said, Tyreek Hill is a great play every week. Obviously, crazy upside with him. D-Hop is a phenomenal play this week. With no Darius Slay, he's in the concussion protocol. As it stands on Wednesday, A.J. Brown's obviously in a good spot. Allen Robinson's in a good spot. So these guys are still great plays. I just think you can play three wide receivers this week below 6,600 that are just as good of a plays. They have the same upside in terms of target and target share shares on their teams terry mclaurin and brandon Ayuk, and maybe a mid-range guy like a like a 5k wide receiver or even a 4k wide receiver i i think the balance build is the way to go this week and you just have to preload your lineups with derrick henry and brandon Ayuk. Makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, I think that quarterback is easy. I mean, we've got the two standout plays like we talked about in Hertz in Lamar Jackson. I think tight end you know, usually, I mean, paying down is still extremely viable. Don't get me wrong. Like I would be totally fine playing Cole Komet or Irv Smith, but I think that we also have 
Mark Andrews squarely in play, but it's still a pretty condensed pool of guys. I think even running back is pretty easy talking about the guys that we already talked about, like Derrick Henry, or, you know, you can plug in Jonathan Taylor. Jeff Wilson Jr. is a guy we didn't mention, but with Raheem Mostert questionable for this game, you know, Wilson Jr. at 5.1K as a favorite against Dallas, I think would gain a lot of popularity and definitely be cash viable for net. Um, you know, all those guys. But, you know, the the thing that is really difficult is which wide receivers are we going to play? Like we talked about it, you know, Terry McLaurin may be out of range um, in the builds that I've played with. It's hard to get both him and Ayuk as well as the desirable running back plays and quarterback plays, even if you're playing down to, to Hertz. So at wide receiver, are there any viable values that stand out to you? We've already talked about Bowden, but I mean, do you actually like the Ravens guys or or anybody else. I know Michael Gallup might be popular this week. Yeah, I think Bowden is the best value guy right now as it stands. Um, but that situation could obviously change if those Dolphins guys get into the lineup this week. So that's a situation to monitor. But I think he is very cash viable and would be my preferred option at 3,600. In terms of the Ravens wide receivers, I, I hate playing them just because they run the ball so much and they don't have a lot of upside at all, but they're, they have cheap prices. Willie Sneed is cheap. Devin Duvernay is extremely cheap if you want to go there. But I think that they fall in that sort of range where it's kind of like you could just pay up to Lynn Bowden if you're considering Devin Duvernay or pay down to Lynn Bowden if you're considering Willie Sneed. Um, so I, probably wouldn't consider them and then we already have one wide receiver spot locked with Ayuk. so you know I, I don't know which value guy I would consider other than Lynn Bowden I think you can fit the desirable build of McLaurin Ayuk, and Derrick Henry if you play Lynn Bowden and if you go cheap at one of your running back spots uh most likely it'll be Leonard Fournette who will have ownership this week but I know I know you're not about that Leonard Fournette life so I mean I could be but I, I don't want it but <laughs> but the thing no the real the real thing with this construction it's kind of a question is like do you actually want to play Mark Andrews or not because you can fit that McLaurin Ayuk build but you have to pay down a tight end it's the only way to make it fit unless you're not playing Derrick Henry which you know obviously we are playing Derrick Henry like we're not stone fish so to me, it's like, yeah, like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that yet. So, you know, keeping keeping the discord, I guess is what I have to say, because I'm really torn right now on whether or not I would rather play McLaurin and a cheap tight end, which is like what my brain tells me is right, or, you know, pay and find some value at wide receiver and then and then get up to Andrews. I, I don't know what the answer is yet. Yeah, I mean, Mark Andrews is a smash this week. He really I is. I will say that. He really is. He's a, he's a smash play at 5,500. Uh, hurts me to say that as a pay down truther. I don't even think I've paid over 5K for a tight end in cash games this entire year. It, it just pains me to my soul to say that. But he's an absolute smash play with no Hollywood, no Miles Boykin, and the Baltimore Ravens need this win. So I think Mark Andrews has two touchdown upside easily in this spot and could easily separate himself from the rest of the tight end pool. Not to say there aren't solid plays down, you know, at the bottom of the barrel uh, in the 3K range, even the 4K range with Logan Thomas at 4K against Seattle. I could see going there. Uh, Dallas Goddard at 3,900 is a good play every week. I think he's always cheap. Yeah. I don't know in terms of tight ends. I honestly don't know. My my gut is telling me to play Mark Andrews this week, and I hate it. I mean, man, that's that's kind of crazy coming from you. So, you know, I think the listeners should take note of that. But I am the tight end whisperer. That is so true. That's valid. If, I, if I'm feeling a Mark Andrews uh, blow-up game here, 
he's most likely going to blow up. So plug and play. Take take that into consideration. All right, the other two players that I want to mention for cash games, uh, I, I briefly brought it up, but Michael Gallup, he is not somebody that I'm excited to play. He's been extremely boomer bust this entire season. And, you know, playing him in cash, I think you have to be willing to absorb that potential bust. Like, you have to accept that it's in the range of outcomes. But he has had six or more targets in five out of the last six games. And he is a home underdog um, to the 49ers. So he could see some boosted pass volume. I think that's a little bit interesting all the way down at 3,500. And then also Taysom Hill as sort of a play that is $100 more expensive than Jalen Hurts. But there are some reasons to think that Taysom Hill is, you know, a better play. Drew Brees could play in this game so we don't have to go too in depth but I mean there is definitely a scenario where Taysom starts once again and when you compare him to Jalen Hurts straight up like Philly is at a 21 implied team total New Orleans is at 24 so three points favoring New Orleans but the Eagles game total is 48 and a half Saints total is also higher 51 and they're at home against Kansas City which you know I mean simply having the Chiefs involved in a game right now just leads to more upside for every player on both sides of the ball that's just the effect that Mahomes has on NFL games at this point so I think you could definitely make the argument that Taysom Hill has more upside than Jalen Hurts he's more experienced at this point but I think there's legitimate bench equity i mean we had quotes from sean payton this week saying that Jameis winston is going to get his shot to start post drew Brees. so i mean would it be shocking that if Taysom hill you know continued on this path of turning the ball over two times per game that Jameis winston came in and then started turning the ball over himself i mean no i think that's completely reasonable <laughs> yeah i mean I'll, I'll say this i think jalen hurts has as much bench equity as Taysom hill because Doug Peterson won't even commit to him as the starter for the rest of the season. It's on a weekly basis with Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz. So I think there's the same amount of equity with both quarterbacks. And the quote with Sean Payton, that was for 2021, not for this season. It's Drew Brees when he gets back, but right now Taysom Hill is the guy and, you know, I'm going to be honest, I think Taysom Hill is a better play just for all of the reasons that you said, higher implied team total, higher game total, and then a game against the Chiefs, obviously there is more upside and Taysom Hill has been good. He's had a minimum of 18 points on DraftKings in his four starts. Um, He's had what, 10 plus rush attempts in three out of four games, 70 plus completion percentage in three out of four games. So for a hundred dollars more, I think the ownership discrepancy is going to be high. I could be wrong on that. Maybe it's only like a 10 or 15% discrepancy favoring Jalen Hurts uh, being more owned. And I think that is wrong. I think Taysom Hill is a better play than Jalen Hurts this week at home in a great game. And he's projecting better right now as well. But all of the ownership is going to fall on Jalen Hurts. So maybe you can play Jalen Hurts in cash, but in tournaments, I would just make the uh, direct pivot to Taysom Hill for $100 more. I think that is a great pivot this week, especially if you get Taysom Hill at low ownership. I think he's a better play. All right. You heard it here first. And I mean, while we're on that subject, let's transition here into our tournament strategies for the week. Leverage stacks and long shots take it in any direction you'd like to yeah so i think Taysom hill is one of the best quarterback plays on the board i just want to say that after what i said definitely going to have exposure to him in tournaments but there there's not really much that i like i like the saints and chiefs game the most I think that is the clear standout game that could be an absolute shootout. So that is the game that I'm going to target heavily in tournaments. But if I just had to pick a a stack that I like, I like the Titan stack 
as big favorites against Detroit. It's leverage off Derrick Henry, who's going to be one of the highest owned, if not the highest owned player on DraftKings this week. So just keep on running it back with Ryan Tannehill, AJ Brown, who's 7,600, even include Corey Davis, who is 5,800 in there. I think that's one of my favorite stacks for week 15 in tournaments that makes a lot of sense to me and and i mean just to the point that you made about the Chiefs stack i mean i'm super interested in uh in patrick mahomes because the way i'm looking at it like i mean he's not gonna go unowned because people are always gonna want to play mahomes but i mean we're getting it in a situation where patrick mahomes is gonna be not probably in the top three highest owned quarterbacks on the slate so, I mean, that that just in and of itself is really, really interesting to me. And then, you know, he has easy pairing options with guys like Travis Kelsey, who could easily separate from the field at tight end, and Tyreek Hill on a slate with no Devontae Adams, where he could easily separate from the field. I mean, he can separate from the field by 20 plus points, literally, like we've seen it. Um, so I think that that is a really interesting stack as well with some interesting bringbacks and Michael Thomas or Alvin Kamara. And then the other stack that I want to you know, make reference to is less of a stack, but it's kind of like a game theory thing where like, I think you can play Jalen Hurts naked. I'm not really in love with any of his stacking partners. I, I mean, if I were going to pick one, it would be Jalen Rieger for 4,400. Um, But I think that you can play Hurts naked and then bring it back with DeAndre Hopkins, who, who we referenced briefly. I'm not sure what Hopkins ownership is going to look like, but if he comes in under own, then he is going to be my favorite tournament play this week. Because if you look at his last five games, four of them have come against just an absolutely brutal run of the top tier quarters in the NFL. He went against Trey White, Stefan Gilmer, Jalen Ramsey, and James Bradbury all within the last four weeks. Now he gets to go against an Eagles team that, like you said, Darius Slay in the concussion protocol, and he hasn't been playing all that well anyways. Avante Maddox is expected to miss and they also lost their starting safety for the year. So I think Hopkins could absolutely feast in this spot and he pairs well with the naked Jalen Hurts. And I think that just playing that stack without an Eagles piece on offense makes it a little bit contrarian as well. Yeah, I definitely like that as well. And I also like Kyler Murray this week at 7K. I think he is not going to be in the top five or top six uh, quarterbacks in terms of ownership. And he has as much upside as Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson for what, $500 and $900 cheaper. And he pairs well with DeAndre Hopkins, so you could run that stack. Uh, You don't necessarily have to bring it back in this day and age on DraftKings. Uh, So... Tell me so that it. that's something to consider. But Kyler Murray is a very, very, very good tournament play this week. And he is off the injury report finally. Got back to his old ways last week against the Giants with 13 rushing attempts, 35 pass attempts. So if we see Kyler run the ball 10 plus times and obviously throw the ball a good amount, he has 30 plus point upside. He's one of my favorite quarterback plays on the board this week, especially in tournaments especially in large field tournaments yeah that that makes all the sense in the world to me in terms of leverage this is kind of like an overarching theme but i think that one of the best ways to get leverage in general on this slate is to target the pieces of all of these backfields that we've talked about that we've acknowledged you know these players are going to get work And, you know, we all want to assume that it's going to be Jonathan Taylor, like he broke out, right? But I mean, I think you can play Naheem Hines as as leverage. I think you can play Gus Edwards as leverage off of J.K. Dobbins. I mean, if you think that this Rams game isn't even competitive, you could talk yourself into playing Daryl Henderson Jr., although that seems super thin to me. I mean, I think all these like pivots are in play this week. I mean, you could even play Keyshawn Vaughn if you don't believe the Leonard Fournette thing at the mint price, like... 
just just take a stab at some of these guys i mean that's more of like a large field only type of strategy but i think that it is viable i mean i think at least one of these situations will not play out the way that the entire community expects it to and that's a way just to get some real real easy ownership leverage because like we mentioned all these guys are in phenomenal spots and that applies for the backups as well yeah i definitely agree with that and the most likely spot i could see that happening is the rams the Ram spot with uh, Daryl Henderson, who's 4,400. And like Ben said, only large field tournaments, only in the lotteries like the Millie Maker and some of the uh, other contests that DraftKings runs that are absurdly stupid. But I I think that can happen with the Rams. Obviously, they're massive favorites at home and they could easily just work in Daryl Henderson who could get 15 touches in this game and I, I probably want to play Malcolm Brown because they have phased him out of the offense completely besides on some passing downs when they need him to pass protect but I, I like taking a shot on Daryl Henderson in, in large field tournaments if you want to if you want to try and win a million dollars but but you could also be burning your money so yeah the last player that I want to bring up here I mean there's a there's a chance and I need you to tell me that I have like a legitimate problem because I keep going back to this guy. But Mr. Big Chest, like goddamn, he's <laughs> 5400, Joey, in an incredible matchup. And look, I've moved past the point where I'm like, okay, maybe he's cash viable. Like no, I wouldn't even consider that because I've just talked myself into it too many times and clearly, you know, three targets, five targets is in his range of outcomes, but it was only in week 11 where Antonio Brown had 13 targets. 5,400 has to be the cheapest he's ever been in his career on DraftKings, right? So, I mean, you can't tell me that in a spot where Tampa Bay is, you know, a top five implied team total in a phenomenal matchup against Atlanta, and we have seen him have 10 plus targets in the last three weeks. Like, you can't tell me that Antonio Brown isn't viable at 5,400 for tournaments, especially his leverage off of Fournette if he's, you know, a massively owned player when it's all said and done. I don't know. Am I am I just like laser focused on the past? Like Antonio Brown is dust now because I just truly don't believe that. But maybe I just need to not be so biased. I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> I mean, I definitely think you're letting the past and and what he's done affect your outlook for him in 2020 on an offense that has seven pieces that all touch the ball any given week. You know, Mike Evans. Godwin, Scotty Miller, Gronk, Rojo, Fournette. Now they're getting McCoy involved. Um, even Cameron Bright sees the field plenty. So I, I think that you are kind of biased towards him. But I also think that he is a good tournament play this week at 5,400. Going up against an Atlanta pass defense that is one of the worst in the NFL. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a good play. But I don't know if he's a tournament lock this week at all because he does have three, four, five targets in his range of outcomes, and that just that just hurts you in tournaments. So yeah, that, that's where I stand on AB. Yeah, I'm not going to go as hard for him as I have in the past, but I mean, it, I would be lying if I told you that he would be in none of my lineups. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> you got anything else for tournament strategy this week? Yeah, don't play DJ Chark. <laughs> <laughs> that that's that's been my problem. You've lost enough the last three weeks. I've lost way too. <laughs> I've lost way too much money on this fucking dude, and it's pissed me off. Nah, okay. see what you got to do is enter that fifteen hundred dollar millie maker on DraftKings and play him at sub five percent and try and get even. That's what you got to do, <laughs> bro. He is. Oh my god, I I have a DJ Chark problem. Yeah. And 
I, I just can't do it this week. I can't. And this is going to be the week where he goes off for 25 with Gardner, with Gardner Minshew. 100%. Starting again. <laughs> so I might have to play him in one lineup. But other than that, don't play uh, DJ Chark this week. Yeah, I mean, tournaments, I think there's just some clear and obvious games that people are going to gravitate towards. So you could get leverage on the field just by targeting some other games. I like the Arizona side of the ball a lot with Kyler and D hop. I like the chiefs and saints game a lot. I like the Titans side of the ball against the lions. And I also like running Lamar Jackson naked in tournaments. I think that is very viable this week as well. So we'll see what happens. I'm still trying to win the Millie looking, looking pretty rough. And maybe this is just a play the best plays week again for the uh, fifth straight week could be um last point i'll make here on tournaments like just to the point you were just making on games that are going to fly under the radar i mean we didn't mention i don't think we mentioned even a single player from chicago minnesota and i mean dalvin cook is going to go completely overlooked this week at 9k you know squeezed right below derrick henry and i mean i don't care how tough the matchup is honestly with dalvin cook i think that he could easily smash he could smash the slate and to the point that the bears have just i mean we didn't see it last week but you know the uh the the texans were running out like aaf level wide receivers chad henson and kiki cutie you know running routes on every snap no shot i think that the the bears defense has quietly gotten really bad against opposing wide receivers and justin jefferson at 7300 with the potential to be completely overlooked in an ownership sense is very interesting so i really like that game as well and there's you know good bringbacks on the bears side so that's just a game that i think you could get uh contrarian with and stack but i mean that that's all i've got for tournaments this week yeah i don't i don't mind that bears vikings game at all and it is in minnesota so it's in a dome which is obviously good for players outlooks and i i just think they're all expensive now like alan robinson is above 7k Thielen and jefferson are both above 7k david montgomery is 7k so it's an expensive stack. I think there are more higher upside stacks around them for the same price, but you could definitely get contrarian and play these guys in tournaments, and they'll come in at 5% owned or less. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm locked into playing Trubisky at least once per week because I just run so so pure with him. So at least you don't have to. Like, I feel like I absolutely have to. My boy Mitch, Trash Biscuit, 5500 I mean, he's always priced cheap, and all of his pieces are priced up. Yeah, he's the one cheap piece of that game, honestly. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, I like him this week. All right, let's move on to a segment that I wish we could just forget. Um, bets that, I mean, it used to be called Best Bets. Now I feel like it's like the bets that you don't want to make. Like, somehow, Joey, we went 0-3 again last week didn't hit on a single bet i mean i had the the browns money line tough scene lamar jackson just he shit on me i mean what else can i say so what do you have for best bets this week i mean you're down to 42 percent. i mean i'm under 40 percent. this is just grim this is grim so definitely don't make these bets but we but we got to push through at least for the rest of this season (laughs) definitely a tough scene i'll give two just try and get the record yeah get the record up i I like washington plus five and a half right now that's what espn has seattle as five and a half favorites i think at home washington should be able to keep this game close and competitive so give me plus five and a half there and then i like the over 51 and a half in the chief saints game i think that is a shootout and it's the highest scoring game on the slate this week so 
give me those two bets, and obviously that means bet the other side and, and win some money. Okay. Um, well, I am going to take the opposite stance, and I'm throwing out four bets because like I'm even more buried than you are with this record. So I just like literally need to run hot to even break even on the season. So, True. but I'm on the opposite side of the Seattle. I'll take Seattle minus five and a half. I mean, I think that they should be favored by at least a touchdown going against Washington. I know Washington's defense is legit, and the team is reportedly mm-hmm. optimistic that Alex Smith returns. But either way. In the end, you're asking either a hobbled Alex Smith or a completely incompetent Dwayne Haskins to keep a game competitive with Russell Wilson. I just don't see it. I think Seattle rolls in this spot. The other bets I'm interested in, Cowboys plus three. I don't know why they're home underdogs against this trash-ass 49ers team with no Debo, no Mostert, Kittle, doubtful, Nick Mullins at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, give me Cowboys plus three at home in that spot. And then I will take a couple of Kansas City points as well. I like KC minus three. Mahomes, I mean, Mahomes versus Taysom Hill is ultimately what we're looking at. No shot. KC doesn't win this game by three points or more. And then I like the Kansas City over 27 points. So those are my four bets. Uh, I think Kansas City rolls in this spot. I don't care what defense is on the field. Mahomes can put up 30 every single week. And I'm pretty sure he's averaged like 30 points per game in every single game in his his career. So, Dude's the absolute goat. Usually a good bet when you're uh, betting on Mahomes and the Chiefs to uh, score points. Yeah. That that should be a win, but God. It probably won't be. (laughs) Now we just cursed him. Oh, God. All right. That's going to be it for episode 117 of the DFS Dose podcast. Thank you for listening. Like we mentioned at the top of the show, we are dropping a bonus episode to cover the two-game Saturday slate that will come out on Friday morning. So make sure you check for that. Joey said it at the top of the show as well. You can support the podcast a couple of free and easy ways. One, sub to the podcast on whatever podcast platform you use, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podcast Addict. We are there no matter where you listen to your podcasts also subscribe to the youtube channel and you can join our discord chat for free link to that is in the show notes as well make sure you follow us on twitter at the dfs dose as well as our personal twitters i am at ben hover b-e-n-h-a-u-v-e-r joey tell them where they can find you you can find me on twitter at joey carrion dfs all right guys thank you for listening let's make some strong plays this week and sail to the money